the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's bring them all in. Brad Bradford is here with a very colorful shirt, I might add. That was a um, impulse purchase in Florida. Sail rack. Okay. I was just saying that Brad Bradford looks an awful lot like the Chechen mobster from Barry in this shirt. Maybe we're going to have to send a picture out so we can uh, that, people can understand. That reference was lost on me. I know because you don't watch Barry. <laughs> much much the sadder. Max Valiquette is here. I don't know what he's wearing, but he's an advertising and marketing guy, and he's on the wire. And News Talk 1010's Adjua Incia Yabwa, traffic specialist and personality also here. Let's actually start with the city's finances. Later on today, we get apparently a city manager report. And uh, Brad Bradford, it comes down to some very simple stuff. I'm not a fan of comparing government budgets to households, but at the municipal level, it kind of works. So we either got to spend less or bring in more or both. That's right. Dollars in, dollars out. And, uh, you know, we don't carry a lot of debt uh, on the operating side of these things. So, you know, I'm just cautious folks, I don't think there's going to be a panacea or a suite of tools there that is going to close this gap. Um, you know, we've been lifting the couch cushions for years and trying to collect the change down there, and there's just not a lot there. There will be a, a number of bespoke tools. Okay, what uh, would you favor for revenue generating? Well, you know, I, I think that, frankly, it's it's actually about having those long-term discussions with the other levels of government. You know, you look at the biggest expenses on our balance sheet, it's TTC operating dollars. We don't get a nickel from the province or the federal government and uh, that's a billion dollar line item right there and the vast majority of those uh, those dollars come on the backs of transit riders from the fare box and if you look at jurisdictions across North America whether you're in British Columbia or New York or Massachusetts there is a role for other levels of government to play when it comes to transit operating we don't have that here in Toronto so I think it's it's assessing our priorities you know the Dundas Street renaming uh, 8 to 10 to 12 million dollars we're gonna to have to have conversations well I I think it's worth a discussion and and I would be in favor of certainly putting that on hold because I don't think that we can afford it right now uh, you know the uh, the vacant home tax like that has been discussed at nauseum we brought that in last year staff had originally projected that there would be 30,000 vacant homes uh, that they could tax in the city of Toronto the actual number was 2100 just a fraction of what was predicted so that's kind of my point there's there's no one tool that's going to close a billion dollar gap. We are going to have to have those conversations about what are the priorities of local government and who is best positioned to pay for those services. All right. Well, let's turn to the person who supervises traffic, Adjoy and Sia Yabois. Would you favor <laughs> a road toll? Although the province has already said they're not going to do it for us. So maybe that's off the table. The road toll could work, but you're right. The province did say it's off the table, so uh, that's null and void. But it, it works in London, England. Uh, the road toll tax works there. So I don't understand. In a lot of major cities, they do that to gain revenue. But I think like the biggest thing is what what needs to happen is Toronto needs a new deal, a new deal from the feds and the uh, provincial government. We need more support. If we're going to continue to be a world-class city, they need more support. The current way the city is financially run is not sustainable. Uh, like I said, one option could be uploading maybe the Gardner and the DVP back to the province. It should never have been up- offloaded onto the city and on the backs of the city because that is that could be a big revenue source and it could take some of the heat that comes off of Toronto and put it back on the province so everybody in the province can pay because everybody within the GTHA 
pays for that highway. So these are just some things that could happen that could make things better because the way things are running, Toronto is uh, on a downward spiral. And as Brad said, looking for those coins under cushions is not sustainable. Okay, but um, Max Valaket, as I turn to you, we've heard from two people and nobody's talked about cutting anything. And it's weird because I just went through my couch cushions and I actually found $6.5 billion in coins. So it's a, y'all, it's a, it's, it's a heck of a couch. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm mostly in agreement with what everyone has said. I just think we need to get away from talking about if we want to maintain being a world-class city because I don't think that's as motivating to the province or the feds as we'd like it to be. It's is if we would like to continue being the largest city in Canada, the economic engine of much of this country, the biggest city in our province, province is if we want to continue functioning and, and and functioning at a very very high level so sometimes to me when we when we when we talk about what our goals are at, at uh, uh, for the city of Toronto we we get into some language that I don't think is helpful in striking those new deals but I actually think that new deal with the province new deal with the feds is exactly what needs to be done here and just putting a point on that max is bang on uh, the city of Toronto contributes 20 percent to our national GDP the success of the city of Toronto is imperative for the success of the province and to the success of the country. And that is the case that we need to lean into, especially coming out of what we've all been over the past number of years with the pandemic, office vacancies up, you know, lower productivity uh, in the Canadian economy versus versus our peer countries. Toronto needs to be central to our recovery. And uh, and obviously the financial footing of the city right now is, is compromised and we need to work with our partners at Queen's Park and in Ottawa to make sure that Toronto comes roaring back. People know I'm a big fan of sci-fi and in particular being able to enter alternative universes. And I'd love to enter the alternative universe that would show us what Toronto Transit could have been if we'd executed half of the plans, if any. Uh, Adju, I'll start with you on this one. Is the Scarborough RT dead? And if so, do we care? Uh, yes, it's dead. And yes, we should care because uh, people in Scarborough also need transit too. And they've uh, been treated like uh, the, the bastard child and just forgotten. And this has been running at this the Scarborough T has been running way past its expiration date. And it's jumping off the tracks. Honestly, it's a clear sign that it should have been shut down a very long time ago. And I agree with uh, what Olivia Chow just uh, recently suggested the busway, which would be they're going to need money from the province so they have to okay it but just allow more buses in the meantime while the uh the shovels are in the ground making for the new subway system that's supposed to arrive in scarborough that should have arrived in scarborough a very long time ago but i guess what they say is better late than never but yeah the rt's dead yeah max valakat maybe it's sort of churlish just to sit here and lament everything we haven't done but i feel for the people of scarborough in that we neglected this thing so long that it broke down and its replacement won't be available until 30 uh, 2030 yeah, and there's, I mean, if I lived in Scarborough, I would be, I would be le- le- legit pissed. It's, it's, uh, it's such a difficult situation, and and it's so necessary. There is good news. It's going to take some time, obviously, to build that Scarborough subway a- expansion. And I, um, I hate to correct another panel, so I just want to say it's not shovels in the ground. It's a boring machine named Diggy Scardust, and I love the names of these <laughs> massive machines to build these tunnels. I think it's fantastic. So it's actually, I appreciate you. <laughs> it's it's actually being built. Construction has started. Uh, you know, this is the thing: is is we have been talking about this for years. We we like we can't forget that we've actually been talking about this for years, or we won't learn from that history and get this done more quickly in the future. Metrolinx is now starting to deliver on this, which I think is quite awesome. 
Um, but I just wanted the chance to say Diggy Scardust again. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm cheap that way. No, I appreciate it very much. Um, Brad Bradford, they say that the new subway extension is going to be ready in 2030. I'm going to be 65 years old. I realize you're young. You can wait. <laughs> you know what? But the folks of Scarborough shouldn't have to wait. And that's why this is such a mess, right? Like, honestly, if you had a year, if you had two years of a gap between the RT and, and the subway opening, that would be one thing. And I think there would be more patience. But, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, the the back end of a decade before we're seeing that higher order transit service. And, you know, this is the problem with politics and transit planning. And I, I hate to say it, I'm sort of in the political side of things now. But before that, I was an urban planner. And, and it always seemed like, uh, you know, every time you campaign for mayor, you had to have some centerpiece transit promise yeah. and, and transit city. I always say, you know, maybe that track was... Smart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Transit smart ci- track. Transit city, though, the best transit plan that's never going to get built. And then you had subway, subway, subways. And then you had smart track and now we're back on the subways it, it is amazing to see I, I ride my bike out in scarborough and and i see the boring machine uh you see that work underway all the hoarding up the station construction that is legit happening and it's something that we should be excited about but increasingly my time here in the city i'm just convinced that the the best transit that we can do is the transit that actually gets built so uh you know scarborough's left waiting uh that's super unfortunate and regrettable and we as city government and the mayor need to do that make sure that we can do everything we can to improve the service in the interim so everybody loves talking about tipping and in this case it's a couple who had a meal the bill was 109 dollars and they left a six dollar and 59 cent tip with the words written on the bill thank you you were great we will be back and ask for you um you know what max valiquette i find nothing less charming than bad tippers and, and listen, I have a uh, I have a, a, a BA in theater from the University of Ottawa, which means I waited for seven years. Uh, I, I um, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's really difficult for people right now because of how expensive food is, how much it costs to go out. But and I, I'm I'm sorry to be this pedantic about it. You 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 have to factor in a decent tip to the servers who are serving you because they otherwise simply don't make a living wage and. It's a it's a it's a it's a particularly tough situation in that we've been talking about alternatives to a tipping based system for quite a while now. We're also looking at things like uh, you know providing proper health benefits for uh, for, uh, for people who, who who work in restaurants as well. Things like that that can be that can be managed through non tipping based systems, and a lot of great restaurants are doing that. But folks, if you're going out to eat, please factor in a minimum 15% tip to your servers who are doing great work because it's the only way they make a living wage. Yeah, Brad Bradford, I had a friend who was a terrible tipper and I would always make an excuse and go back into the restaurant and put cash on the table. Yeah, it's awkward, right? It's like that buddy you go to the bar with and is always in the bathroom when it's the next time to buy the next round. Uh, same same sort of person there, right? I don't like that. Uh, you know, I was a Brad, bartender. That guy, Brad, that guy just has a cocaine problem. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, well, you know what, though? I, I was a bartender at a at a classy joint called Filthy McNasty's back in the day. Wow. And uh, But, you know, this was, um, I'm dating myself, but this was when you were making a server's minimum that was whatever, six six bucks or something an hour. 
And that was always the premise of tipping, you know, close that gap on the server's minimum. But if you're going out for dinner, people in the service industry work uh, work super hard, long hours. You got to make sure that uh, if you get good service, you're getting a good tip too. I'm always amused when you're in the UK. If you put money on the bar, they stare at you like you're crazy because they don't tip. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. Good to have you. Max Valiquette, Adjua, Sia Yabois, and Brad Bradford, City Councilor. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.